This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. An aspect of the creator economy I've been wanting to explore a little bit deeper this season is the middle class in the creator economy. Most creators know they won't reach the level of getting insanely lucrative brand deals or tens of millions of followers, and that's perfectly fine. The overall sentiment that I've been getting from creators is that they just want stable and reliable income. A reasonable request, but one that hasn't been so easy to attain. A perfect vehicle to explore this right now is Twitch. In case you missed it, there's been a few changes at Twitch that the company says are in the best interest of creators, but some creators, particularly those in the middle class, aren't so sure. This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. All right, so back in September, Twitch announced they were adjusting their revenue split for the platform's top creators. Instead of creators earning 70% from subscription revenue, Twitch changed it to a 50-50 deal. Now, there's some fine print here, right? So the original 70-30 deal was only for the first $100,000 a creator earned through subscriptions. Anything above 100K has always been a 50-50 split. Plus, according to Twitch, this is only applicable to about 10% of creators. Nonetheless, a lot of creators on Twitch weren't happy. Reaching that 70-30 split was something to look forward to. Not to mention, it kicked up the question of why a 70-30 split isn't the standard across the board for something like subscriptions. Think about it. That's the most direct revenue a creator can earn from their most dedicated fans. Also, back in June, Twitch created its ads incentive program, which basically gave creators the option of running more ads in their streams for more money. The problem there is that live streaming isn't necessarily the best format for running ads. So it's this feeling of, yeah, I can earn more money, but does that matter if I'm creating a frustrating experience for my audience? To get a sense of what it's like making a living on Twitch these days, I reached out to Mitch Long, known in some circles as OG Pickle. Mitch has been a Twitch streamer for six years, and in those six years, he's managed to cobble together a fairly stable career for himself through partnerships and selling merch, selling pickles, naturally, and even selling hot sauce. It's the way of the creator, having multiple revenue streams coming in at once. But could Twitch be making more of an effort to help creators earn more directly from the platform? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's it varies from everyone that's on this platform. Like for me... I still have a full-time job. I actually just do this at night. And so I was fortunate enough that, that I had the time, the, the talent, and the energy to do it in tandem because there's, there's a lot of considerations that go into that. You know, you have to create additional revenue streams because that's the predication of like what we do. Like if you're only going to do one revenue stream because this industry is so cyclical, imagine something happens month to month or you can't go live, you're suddenly losing 100% of your revenue, right? The reason that you create different revenue streams and why it's important, like I do hot sauce. I can make, I have literally, and I don't know, if people are going to be able to see it, but like I have five different hot sauces that I literally well, make. As someone who grew up in Louisiana, I need to like make sure those hot sauces are up to code. I will make sure that after this I send <laughs> them to you. But the, the point being is that you have to create different revenue streams just in case something happens. This business is cyclical. The one thing that's not cyclical is rent, is insurance, yeah. is making sure your bills are paid, is 
keeping extra money in case something happens, right? And, and when you're on a 1099, which this is a 1099, you're a contractor with Twitch. You are not a full-time. There is nothing guaranteed. They owe you nothing. That's another thing you have to understand. If they change the splits or something happens, you get sick, you get COVID and you can't stream, you're not making any revenue. Hmm. You, you, you have a little bit of subscription. So the diversification that you're talking about is so critical because if one lever falls, you still have all these different things. That's why like a creator will tell you, I'm doing YouTube, I'm doing merch, I'm doing products. You know, look at Mr. Beast, for example, benchmark him. He's number one for a reason. YouTube channel in 5,000 different languages, right? Mm -hmm. Uploads, Instagram, Twitter, sponsorships, merchandising, chocolate bars, restaurants, Mr. Beast Burger. You see what he's saying? Like he, there, you, you just have to get your hands in so many different varieties to create different revenue streams because this business is cyclical. It's really hard. It's really, really hard um, to make money on here. I completely agree. I mean, just from the outside looking in, and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a little, it gets even more complicated with Twitch specifically when you're a Twitch partner, because like there's some exclusivity rights. And I think they opened it up, like they had like a recent change where they broadened it a little bit. But from my understanding, that doesn't exist with YouTube. If you're part of the YouTube partner program, there's never really been any restrictions on like where your content can live. But for a while, if you're a Twitch partner, you could really only just stream on Twitch and they kind of broaden it. They said like, oh, if it's like short form, like you can kind of go live on like mm -hmm. Instagram and things like that. So my question to you is, I mean, do you think that where Twitch stands now in terms of like Twitch partners, is it too strict? Yeah, I think the restriction right now, just for clarification, for those are listening, I can't stream on any other service. I have a contract that says you have to stream only on Twitch. Now with other content, I can upload YouTube videos and I can, I'm not limited to that. So and I would also encourage that. People that I think try to stream on 23 different platforms are creating a level of in inconsistency that they think are trading for uh, more views or more potential. There's a reason that like the same television show doesn't try to be on five different channels. Like You want the network to own one central core of all the information they can throw at you. So if I want to tell you about my hot sauce or I want to tell you about my merch, or I need to control the whole environment. And so I'm just not a fan of streaming on multiple things. Uh, just yet. I need to study more like TikTok streaming just opened up for partners. So I'm, I'm just kind of interested in that to see like that's a huge growth opportunity. So I can't ignore it. And that leads me to my second point. The reason they're crying because they're going to YouTube is because it's not even close to Twitch. And it is strict. <laughs> and, and you know what comes to mind? UFC. It reminds mm. me of the UFC. Is Dana White maybe not paying his fighters enough? I don't know. Is there an alternative? No, they hold the cards. So for me, like, sure, I can be the loudest guy in the room banging on Twitch's door, like, pay me more, right. pay me more. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same thing that's going through the fighters until there is more competition, which I hope YouTube game does well. Facebook doesn't seem like it's doing very well at all. Facebook bowed out. Yeah, But there's no competition. I mean, yeah. What's, what's my alternative? Like, that's the real, that's the real question we'd be asking. It shouldn't be, do you think they're too strict? It's, I don't even think of that because there's no other option. YouTube is where you go to retire or die. Like, that's just. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> See, that's the thing I was going to ask. I mean, like, I was just going to ask, like, YouTube is probably the biggest, I don't want to say biggest comp competitor because, like, there was, like, a recent study done showing, like, how many people are, like, actively on these platforms. And it's, like, it's by a landslide Twitch wins. It's by a landslide. I just looked at that thing, too, the other day. Yeah. It's, like, there's no competition. But, I mean, YouTube being YouTube and being like this huge platform in general, I think that does give it, one would think that that gives it somewhat of a fighting chance. And so, you know, I mean, I would love to hear a little bit more about you thinking that going to YouTube is a place to die. Oh, I don't think it. I, this is, I, so I work with a lot of big brands behind the scenes. That's one of the mm. things. Like, I'm not just a Twitch partner. I've worked with some of the biggest creators in the world. I've created merchandising brands that people listening to this podcast wear. Like, I, I've been all around the block in the creator economy. Uh, doing a wide things. I just leveraged all that to build a, a Twitch stream because that's like that's what I was passionate about. It, it is the place right now because 
let me ask you this. If we think about it this way, would Tim the Tapman or of those guys just voluntarily gone over there? No, they're subsidized. They're paid a crap ton of money to go over there. And what they're hoping is that same bucket we're talking about is that they're pulling from. It's the same thing with Twitch and or Mixer, right? Ninja and, and, and Mike, sorry, Shroud went over there. They crushed the company because they don't convert that way. And so YouTube has a lot deeper pockets and patience with Microsoft because their ads are just insane. I mean, they're printing money over there at YouTube. So kudos to them. And, and, then, and then what they're doing, they're backfilling all of these people that are watching YouTube videos and trying to get them over to watch YouTube gaming. Now, the interface isn't as good, but the fact of the matter is not as many people convert over from Twitch to YouTube just because they like a creator. There will be some, and I would probably put it in my guesstimation of knowing how con creators convert from YouTube to merch. I would say it's probably in the 20 to 30% of their community might go with them. And so knowing that, you know, Twitch is like the leading platform for like live streaming, I mean, they have this huge chunk of the market. Do you think that they're doing an adequate job of redistributing enough of the power to creators? It's a great question because my answer is going to be a little more nuanced than that. I love nuance. <laughs> the answer is it's owned by Amazon. Yeah. And Amazon is a profit center. And Amazon knows how their business model works. And, and the fact of the matter is I've heard rumors they don't like Twitch. They're probably going to try to sell it. That's the rumors on the street because it doesn't match the... It's like Ikea buying like a, a hardware store you're just like it's like it's, it's, it's like it's like i or even better like ikea got into the swimming pool business you're just like why is ikea in the right they they, they know i like, kind of would like to see an model. ikea swimming pool actually <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying like it's just like why why do they own that like if you really analyze why amazon bought justin tv they want to get into gaming and they probably wanted to collect a ton of data and they probably wanted to help their prime stuff right like they wanted to give value but that whole business model is not even comparable to their their regular model like it, it requires a lot of people it requires a lot of effort it requires a ton of accounting to pay out all these people like oh yeah this has got to be a nightmare for them so for me i think the answer is are there people with good intentions at twitch yeah i'm sure there's people that have good hearts and want to do us right and give us the most power and there's probably someone in a position but at the end of the day they have to answer the mothership and they probably get shut down on half the stuff that they want to do because they say are you making money what are the earnings reports how are we giving back to our shareholders so I just think this is a weird little project, a little inherited project from these guys. And uh, power is probably not their number one goal here of giving it to the creators. They're probably, um, probably front-facing that more than they actually care about it. Right. And I also wanted to get your opinion on Twitch rolling out this ads incentive program. Because on the one hand, it's obviously an opportunity for creators to earn more money. But on the other hand, it means more ads, which is something that, yeah, I mean, we've all kind of become accustomed to at this point, just being on the Internet. But ads can be a pretty disruptive experience when live streaming. So what's your take on all of this? I think they're just benchmarking off the competition and saying, guys, we got to generate more ad sponsorship dollars. Because that's what the money's at. Brands who want to advertise on Amazon or Twitch or YouTube, like they have very specific data on very specific audiences that they're going after. And they'll pay very high dollars because they're tapping into a demographic. Like if you know you're trying to sell candy, you can go directly to the Roblox community because you know they're usually between eight and 14. You know what I mean? Like if you're Snickers, you're trying like, and so they'll pay buku bucks for that. So Twitch is just trying to do that because they want to rake in more money. Look, their earning reports are, are public. Like they didn't do so hot uh, on the Twitch side of the business. It's a tough time. Look, subscriptions to the creators are the easiest way to support it and get around ads. The ads are only going to play for people that don't support the creators. So for me, I took the uh, there's I can't really talk about splits and, and dollar values, but I can say I took a, a large amount of ads because a lot of my community is already subscribed. I don't really worry about it. And if somebody's not subscribed, then they're just going to sit through an ad. I think the other point you brought up that was really pertinent is right. You say that you're not going to sit through a lot of ads. And I agree with you. 
on YouTube you will because you know the content and you said it earlier stays there. It's just it, it's everlasting. You're not missing anything. With a live stream it annoys you a little bit more because you want to catch the action. You don't want to miss the action. You feel like FOMO, right? Mm -hmm. It's like with an ad on YouTube, I know what I, I I stop at 115, 15 second ad, I'm back at 116. Right. With with a live stream it pisses you off even more because it's like I'm at 115 ad he just won. Yeah. <laughs> he just did a backflip in like a 1v1 situation and I missed it and I'm pissed. Like I totally understand it, but as a creator, I need to create additional revenue streams. I don't know that like if you support me, great. If you have to leave, great. Like I, I it's it's not an indifference. It's just like I'm sorry, it's just a necessity. So I hope you understand that the support doesn't come from me being malicious about it. It's like, dude, I gotta eat. Right. And then the other side is you can just pay four ninety nine and get around it. Right. So like it's and that's not if you don't have the money, great. But if you don't have the money, you also can't be upset that you might have to watch some of these things that uh, require like a little bit more of time to, to get to the next phase. Like it's just, it's a trade-off. It's not fun, um, but I think it's a necessary evil if I want to see this platform continue and not go to the hands of... I'm happy with it with Twitch because it's consistent. It could be better. It could be a grass is greener situation where it could suck. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't, if somebody else buys it, I go through a lot of changes regardless. And that's the thing. I mean, how often do you think about that instability of a platform? Because, I mean, that's something that I think a lot of creators across multiple platforms worry about is that they don't know, like one one flip of a switch to an algorithm and like you can just see your numbers just like plummet. And so I'm just curious how often do you, I know you have like multiple revenue streams and, you know, you, you, you've definitely diversified your, your, your income in a, in a very smart way. But when it comes to Twitch, I mean, how concerned are you with changes from top that will obviously just trickle down and affect your bottom line. This is why I never went full time. Mm. Honestly, I just don't think it's worth it for me. I do very good middle class. I think my stuff was leaked. So if you really want to go find it, they leak that Excel document. I think I was like a top 2000 earner on the platform. Wow. So I did really well. And even being top 2000, I was not comfortable going full time is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. There are too many factors of, of, you know, you make, let's just, let's just put a hard market. You make four grand in a month or you make three grand in a month. You got thousand plus subs, like you're doing pretty well. You're chunking through, you have a good community. Now you got to take what? Let's just call it eight, 850 out of that for uh, rent. Then you got groceries for the month. Let's call it, I don't know, 400 bucks. Like I'm, I'm just spitballing here so nobody freak out behind the scenes like i i only spend 120 <laughs> all right just nickel and diamond whatever then you got insurance because you don't have health insurance right and if you're not on mom and dad's at 25 26 or whatever the state you're in lets you go to i think it was 26 there's another like 500 bucks you got a car you got a car payment you got insurance like car insurance you got taxes that you got to pay on that alone i mean by the time you're walking away let's just say it's 60 to 70 thousand of a, of, a, of an earnings you're like walking away with like profit of like 10, maybe 10 grand. And like, what is that going to do for you? Right. You're going to roll that in a 401k. You're going to buy some Bitcoin. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, you're you, right. don't buy it's Bitcoin. really scary. So <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> as I wear NFT shirts and I like the biggest. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just think for me, I never would have gone full time because taking all of what I just said in, into equation, which is scary. It's already like, holy crap, that's IRL stuff. That's like right in my face. The scary other side is that this algorithm could change and the bottom could fall out at any time. Yeah. What do I do then? Mitch is far from alone here. Tiffany Lockhart is another Twitch creator who, like Mitch, hasn't and probably won't go full time with being a streamer. So I asked her what more Twitch could be doing for middle class creators like herself. Realistically right now, I feel like even though I would leave Twitch if they if there's another platform that does a lot more for me and more uh, 
sponsorships, partnerships, or just, you know, more income. There's something about Twitch that I, it just feels nostalgic, nostalgic to the point, I want to say. I, I can't explain it. It does feel like it's just a group of friends coming together, chilling. I guess the attachment of so many people I met on this platform, I, I kind of don't want to just dip out right away. But if another opportunity comes up, yeah. When it comes to like YouTube, you got to be completely established at this point to transfer over. If you want to start new on those sites, you're not going to get anywhere. That's why I feel like Twitch is good for like small streamers coming up. And once you become big and maybe you get that deal, maybe switch over, see what happens. But, you know, don't don't go full in with it. But I do hope something new comes up to give them like a nice little edge because, man, I really want that 70-30 split. I can't stress this enough. That will help me so much. We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, an executive from Twitch explains the plan for creating a more stable middle class. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Mitch and Tiffany laid out some of the issues creators are facing as they try to find their footing in the middle class. So what's Twitch doing about it? I put the question to Mike Minton. Mike is the chief monetization officer at Twitch, so it's his job to help creators make money. But when creators feel like they're not earning enough, what, if anything, is being left on the table? Yeah, I, I would offer three thoughts here. And, and, and one is um, sponsorships. And we've, you know, we've had some efforts. We really haven't yet cracked the nut in terms of ways for brands to engage with streamers. That's very authentic. Help streamers connect, get more sponsorships for their content. And so that's a, a big area of focus for us to figure out how we can increase the number of opportunities for, you know, middle-class streamers to access sponsorships, because that, that's a really powerful way for brands and, and streamers to work together and both feel really good about that relationship. The second thing I would offer, again, along the advertising lines is, you know, video ads work really well um, for large streamers, but they are also interruptive. And certainly there's a point where, how many interruptive ads can you have within a certain you know, session, et cetera? So we're very focused on increasing things like display ads. You see, you know, there's been a lot of excitement in the community with new formats we've introduced that streamers can earn, still earn money. Viewers are less interrupted than a full screen takeover video ad um, and are able to still you know, support the streamer by ad impression. And then, and obviously, streamers can earn money from that. And then trying to innovate on the video ad format where it makes sense in terms of experiences like side-by-side, -side, et cetera, so that really help streamers increase their ad load without the trade-off of as much interruption is maybe the short answer to really the opportunity there to increase earnings with less interruption. And then the third thing I would offer is cheering has been great. It's been a, it was the first product I actually worked on at Twitch, but we still see, and you've seen us do things like elevated chat recently to try to extend the value proposition a little bit around that product. And what I mean is appeal to people that have, you know, historically been using bits and sharing and they love the product and we're not, you know, certainly trying to get in the way of that, but extend that value prop out. So it's simpler to understand easier right now. There's certainly like, I got to go buy bits and how do I use those bits in chat? And, you know, it, it can be a, a high friction experience sometimes. So we think there's ways that we can help streamers or help viewers 
support their streamers on a more regular basis without some of the complexity and friction that our cheering product introduces. So that's what I would offer in terms of things that we're, you know, very actively focused on in helping that middle class earn more money. I'm glad you brought up video ads because that's obviously been a pretty big push on Twitch's end. And it's understandably so. I mean, that's there's a lot of money in advertising and that, you know, benefits Twitch, it benefits creators. But as you mentioned, in that specific form of streaming, it can be quite disruptive. And so you mentioned display ads, but I'm also curious, are there any other ways of thinking about incorporating advertising in a format like streaming? You would know better than I would in terms of our brand's happy with that as an option because I think they obviously they want their messaging like loud and clear in front of an audience. And so display ads can be easy to ignore in a way. And so I'd love to hear, I don't know if there's any finer point that you can put on how you're thinking about incorporating ads on the platform in a way that makes sense for streaming. Let me address the video ad part of it because for streamers that are using video ads, we have a lot of work to do there to make help them run good ad breaks. And I think, you know, to the Mm -hmm. extent you have and decide you want to use video ads, um, we can really improve the tooling to help run good ad breaks and provide a feedback loop for the community to know that, yep, that ad break makes sense. But to address your question in other ways for brands to engage, what we hear from brands pretty consistently is they want to engage in the community authentically. And so what does that mean? Well, sometimes we talk a little bit about this with sponsorships. It may be a streamer using their product as a normal consequence of what they're doing. That may include an affiliate code of some kind, like, um, uh, you know, certainly a fair number of brands have found really authentic ways to integrate their product placement, reward streamers both for their time as well as potentially sales through those type of models. There's, uh, we also have done things, I'll give you one specific example the community may be familiar with from years ago, we did sponsored cheering where sponsored cheering allowed brands to basically add a bonus to a cheering target. And it was a really amazing you know, way for brands to engage authentically, get their message out, or at least get their brand um, recognition out there in a, in a mechanic that the community loves. We see brands also do, they buy gift subs. You'll see brands do this often where they'll engage with a streamer. They may have a sponsorship relationship or they may not, but they just come in there with their normal chat handle as you know brand A, and they go in and drop some gift subs in the community. This is a way to engage. So I think you'll see us really, um, you know, lean in on these opportunities where it's part of the normal engagement mechanic on Twitch and then really figuring out how we can bring brands forward in an authentic way. And certainly you, you touched on a point about, you know, the value here for a brand. A display ad does have less value to them than video ad does. And then some of these, you know, other mechanics, whether it's, you know, sponsoring a, a gift sub drop or, you know, in the future, potentially hype trains, et cetera. As I said, sponsored cheering is something we've done before. What we're trying to do is find a range of options where brands, again, are getting what they're looking for in that authentic engagement. Um, it's well, getting a message out there is really important. We have to be able to measure that, demonstrate that. But across these variety of offerings, effectively increase the ad load without increasing the interruption of the ads. Earlier this year, you know, of course, Twitch announced a change in its revenue split with the platform's top creators going from 70-30 to 50-50. And this caused quite a few waves in the community. And so just to kind of level set, I mean, what was behind that change? Because you know, a lot of people were, the, obviously the top creators were not happy about it. And then the creators that were working toward reaching that goal kind of lost that prospect. And so I'd love to hear from you. I mean, like, what was the thinking behind that change? 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's not just these relatively small number of streamers that were impacted. It was really the sense of loss for those that felt like their grinding was going to pay off in this increased rev share. So I acknowledge that um, as spot on. But, uh, you know, in terms of what we said and why we did it, it is driven by really the need to be a long-term, sustainable, viable business. And so when we look at the economics of live streaming and when we look at, you know, the relationship with streamers, the standard rev share is the one that actually works for the business and the one that we focused on in the, you know, the things that we've said and the thing that I just remain committed in terms of reminding folks is that in order for this to work, we do have to do our part. And what I mean by that is we have to keep innovating and innovating to the point where streamers really believe that they're making more money as a consequence of our innovation well beyond what that rev share would have meant. Because I, you know, I've used different ways to try to explain this, but like we went back in reverse time and went back seven years ago and said, okay, you're right, let's do 70, 30 subscriptions, but we'll be able to innovate less. Streamers would be further behind today. So I'm 100% like, we want you to make more money. As I said in the opening of this, we are truly in this together in terms of the money that they make is, is how we, our share of that is how we run the business. So it is, it's based in that long-term focus and recognizing that we will continue innovating and increasing their earnings in a way that's meaningful and that they see, and uh, as I said, far exceeds the simple solution of a increased rep share on subs. Do you think that that message of, hey, this is something that may suck in the short term, but this is long term going to be beneficial for everyone. Do you think that messaging is actually hitting creators? Because, you know, like I said, a lot of them feel like, hey, this is Twitch. It's owned by Amazon. Like Amazon is a trillion dollar company. Like, why are we taking the hit on this in a way? So do you feel like that messaging is reaching creators? Totally. And I think messaging isn't going to get the job done here, right? In terms of earning trust, it really is about, and I can do a million podcasts a year and talk about the motivations and the reasons and remind them of the prime sub benefit. But at the end of the day, it's consistent action over time, being transparent, having that dialogue. The dialogue is important. I think that's one of the things that we're going to continue finding those opportunities to meet creators where they are, um, have the conversation, help them understand. But the, the, way forward for us is really to earn their trust through consistent action by continuing to build and innovate in ways that help them make more money and grow. We haven't talked much about growth. I know my focus is monetization, but um, when you look at what we're doing as a service and you think about that total streamer experience, including growing their community, it's a combination of those two things where we have to continue to improve their experience, help them grow faster, help them make more money more efficiently, and we need to continue to do that over time because that's how you build trust. Any talking points I may offer are not going to get the job done. It really has to be done through action over a consistent long period of time. All right, so let's recap for a second. The feeling I got from talking with Mitch and Tiffany is that there's still a lot to love about Twitch. Like Tiffany mentioned, it's the ideal platform to grow as a live streamer, and there's a sense of nostalgia tied to it. The creator economy is all about building and engaging with your communities, and there's certainly a strong culture of that on Twitch because it's been around for so long. But the flip side of that is that there's no real competition in the marketplace. Microsoft and Facebook both failed in this space, and YouTube seems more focused on bringing big names onto the platform instead of fostering a gaming culture from the ground up. So I can't see that going very well for them in the long run. 
Like Mitch said, even if he wanted to go somewhere else, where could he possibly go? And again, to Mitch's point, I'm sure there are well-meaning people at Twitch wanting to do right by creators, and I'd count Mike Minton in that category. And yes, the powers that be at Twitch have to make decisions to keep the company viable. All that said, is Amazon the right home for something like Twitch? I think a lot of creators like Mitch and Tiffany feel as if Twitch is mainly a vehicle to boost Amazon's other endeavors like Prime. And if the rumors are true that Amazon may be looking to sell Twitch, would creators just run into the same issues elsewhere? I actually want to hear your thoughts on this. So find me on Twitter. My handle is at Casey And let me know what you think. That's all for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you rate and comment as well. Or like I just said, find me on Twitter because I love hearing from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment, Scott Mebus. 